More strange than true. I may never believe these antique fables, nor these fairy toys. Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. The lunatic, the lover, and the poet are of imagination all compact. One sees more devils than vast hell can hold. That is the madman. The lover, all as frantic, sees Helen's beauty in a brow of Egypt. The poet's eye in fine frenzy rolling doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven. And as imagination bodies forth the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives them airy nothing, a local habitation and a name. Such tricks hath strong imagination, that if it would but apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy. Or in the night, imagining some fear, how easy is a bush supposed a bear? back to the Earth Hotel. This is episode 20. Uh, I had a mini-sode planned for this Tuesday, and my computer is in a slow process of heat death. So I lost most of that episode, but I am reacquiring footage that I lost of MAMS, who were, uh, I believe, from Baltimore. Um, I, I always get the out-of-band locations wrong, but then I correct it in the location beneath the show notes in the place where you can read about this episode. So, if you want to know about MAMS, who's going to be on next week's mini-sode, you can check out where they're actually from in the show description in the little teaser tray. This show is a lot of talking. We haven't done this much live reading or uh, actual poetry presentation a lot in the past, but Machi is a band that is heavily centered on words and poetry and... uh, impressionistic expression. So, we, are, we, have, uh, we have several speaking points. They play two songs that they've been working on, and we present uh, a little multimedia extravaganza thing for you. So, if you want art, this is the, this is the thing that you want to listen to. I have no opening monologue. I'll, put, I'll get to dates in a minute and put those on here, but I'll give you a rundown of the show. My friend Kyle Weems, who has appeared on the podcast many, many times, listened to My Analysis of Clara by Scott Walker, and it's a heavily political song uh, oriented around, you know, based in the final days and weeks of and hours and the aftermath of the execution of Clara and Benito Mussolini, Clara Patacci uh, and Benito Mussolini, uh, obviously the, the fascist dictator of Italy. Uh, so I did a, an analysis of this song, and I talked about it on the show, 
And Kyle wanted me to analyze another song because he's given me a generous amount of viewer submission that has kept my viewer mail segment rolling. So on behalf of him, I want to thank everyone for participating. And on behalf of everyone, I want to thank him for participating in the show. Thanks, Kyle, for the content. We're providing content to you. And that's our that's my job. That's what I'm doing. But I don't say that at parties because if you say I'm I'm a content I'm a content provider, people uh, square uh, an eyebrow up at you and occasionally an elbow as well. So I just tell them I'm an artiste. So they just go away. They don't want to talk to me after that. <clears throat> so for Kyle, uh, his his viewer mail suggestion was a song by At the Drive-In called Invalid Litter Department. And that's another political, uh, critical, um, viscerally engaging and lyrically diverse song about the ongoing and still uninvestigated murders of, or they've been investigated, but they've, justice has not been done, murders occurring in Juarez, Mexico, um, in, in U.S. factories that are there. I'll get more on that later. That's at the end of the show after Machi comes on. So I'll, I'll lead into our content middle here with a poem that I wrote, I think, five years ago. It was in 67, and this is 72. So quite, quite a long time ago, I wrote it. It's called Down Down from the Tree. Shannon Ellis, the, the lead of Machi and the, the writing word mind and singer of the group, uh, will read that, and then we'll take you to two songs by them. Uh, one is called Breakfast, the first. <laughs> it's called Breakfast. And then the other is Sukoto City. You can find uh, a link to anywhere that they're on the internet. Uh, they have a Bandcamp page, etc. They have an album out that we discuss in the interview. Uh, you can hear all of that stuff and follow them and get dates, etc., etc. Below in the show description, where I put all the words. And on the earthhotel.org. If you're not subscribed to us on iTunes, kindly do that because Facebook algorithms are dodgy, and the best way to know that a show is out is to have the podcast app pop up the show and you see the red Earth Hotel sign, and then you, uh, you're home, and then you know the show's out, and you can listen to it. Consistency is what we are, just, we are striving to deliver uh, in the offices here, and I'm in the process of getting my personal life together, which means my professional life can finally um, not be fraught with uh, my my own personal problems. Anyway, all of that aside, I want to thank everyone for being an audience member here, a viewer, as I like to call you. Uh, I, I have lots of gratitude in my heart for the people that pay attention to this and that have stuck around, especially after last week's lengthy explanation of what's going on uh, with me. I'll probably discuss that next week. I'm going to keep that off the mini-sodes and out of this episode as well. I want to give Shannon the floor now. This is Down Down from the Tree from Year 67 with some music that I made along with her voice. You'll hear Breakfast, Sukoto City, and then our interview with Machi, followed by more readings from myself and herself, her words and my words, and then art analysis. Thanks for joining us at the Earth Hotel. If you're here, then you know you're home, and if you never feel like you're home, uh, adrift in a vast labyrinth of headspaces, circumstances, points of view, truths and untruths, then you know you're in the Earth Hotel, which is home. You're home. Just 
relax, sit down, accept it, and we'll move forward from there. We will try to integrate all of the things that we learn in our days into the things that we dream about at night as we wander the corridors. And then we forget. We go on with our day and we try to learn something. Thanks for joining us. Here's Shannon Ellis. Very early in my childhood, rather late in the human story, I came upon a snake in my parents' bedroom. Our neighbor had a pet python, and somehow it wound up in my parents' room, wrapped around the big fake tree that was kept unwatered in the corner. Maybe it was imagination, the kind of thinking a young child would have, or a false recollection, the kind that belongs to those who reminisce. But I believe that snake told me something very important. But if I repeat it, it would be a lie. And if I tried to explain it, it would cease to make sense to me. I can only tell the story, the story that has happened since the snake came down from the tree and left the house without saying another word. Machi.
I'm with Machi. Machi, can you speak for yourselves? What are you called? What are each of you individually called? Hi, my name's Isaac. <laughs> Hi, my name's Josh. Shannon. And that's Machi. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've got a cassette, an album, uh, an EP. It's a six-song EP, so it's pretty substantial. Um, and I've got it on cassette, and it's on Bandcamp, so you want to start with that and then go to what you're doing and what we did today? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Isaac actually just joined our band right after we released our first EP. He is our bass player. Before, we've just had me and Josh and a little drum machine that we call Alyssa. Going into tonight, I guess, uh, we performed some of our rough draft near work that we're developing uh, and trying to get more dynamic involved with the music that we're creating. Yeah. Without losing our direction, I guess. We. The the timing of our of our appearance of your appearance here and whatnot now is uh, because of Spring Fest that happened a couple weeks ago, and that's been a feature of several episodes before this. So we can get to that. Yeah, this is a, a pretty loose conversation. We're just going to talk about yes what our thing is. Spring what do. Spring Fest, in my opinion, was a very very good show for us. Um, it really. It challenged us in a lot of unique ways, um, but we rolled with the punches, and I felt like we uh, gave the audience and ourselves a, a rollicking good time. We had a dozen translucent beach balls for just your sheer enjoyment. The sleep deprivation was kind of cool. None of us had slept. <laughs> yeah. In preparation for the event. Yes, we, we did help organize that, and that's something we're also very proud of. May we? Yeah, I, I worked sound for that uh, for that show. And that was challenging, for sure. Uh, we had cable issues, and then we had mic issues. Lots of technical difficulties. Yeah. We and played off of a generator. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fantastic show, though. Great more day. punk than that, yeah. I don't think. In a, in, a in a warehouse with, like, 85% walls. Yeah. It, it's, it's more like 95 or 97% walls now. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? Okay. Yeah. I'm confirming with the room. Uh, th- that'll make sense. Uh, uh retroactively we can get into the origins of Machi real quick um so it started as me and josh and josh has had several involvements in different like musical projects in the scene uh he started going when he was like 12 i believe right josh yeah 12 or 13 and i come from a poetry background and what we used to do we used to be friends who went to anime conventions and made cosplays together and i got my heart broken and we started a band. And... All drink to that. <laughs> All in a day's work. <laughs> and after a few months of kind of like figuring it out, you know, me not having that musical background necessarily, yeah. I would say we really started to get music going late summer, but me and Josh started First Dram like a year ago now. Yeah. And Isaac was brought in in February of this year. So right. this is your fourth show in total or fourth show since you came in? Four first show total. 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 Okay. Our so first show of, was in November. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. we prepared for probably a good six, seven months before we even showed anyone anything that we had worked on. Yeah. Um, and we felt that was very important to have something that we were comfortable with showing people. Right. Springfest is the first show we've all done together. Yeah. Springfest is Isaac's first show. Like, we want to have fun, but we also kind of want to make you have an existential crisis. That's my goal. That's, yeah, I, I knew I had you on for a reason. It's a perfect goal. That's great. Um, 
No, I, from from what we did tonight and what I heard and worked on tonight with y'all, I, I can definitely tell a difference. Um, how do y'all feel about the word y'all? Do you think that should be universal? Like I believe so. Um, yeah. As language, language transforms, um, I mean, throughout regional areas, I think y'all is going to be uh-huh. a, while it's very southern-centric, going to be global soon enough. It's a good I mean, way to refer to everybody without stepping on anybody's toes. Exactly. It's, yeah. very, it's very neutral. But, uh, I mean... Probably won't hear it in any of our music. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm just keeping it topical. Just giving people food for th- something to relate to as they as they relate to new things. You almost said food for thought. Oh, you yeah, I really you did. Almost... You're weird. That's a that's a, a an uncanny. Um, you caught that anyway. So, Springfest went well, and mm-hmm. you're here with two new songs. How many? I think you did five then. Yeah, we we uh, we performed five songs, uh, two of which are new. Um, the vote is and Sukato City. You will hear Sukato City uh, on this podcast, but one that hasn't been heard before yet. It's Breakfast. Um, yeah. Let's see each of your favorite songs from the thing. Um, off our um, I feel like we should go with freshman our, EP. Um, really, my favorite is Ego Dies on the Mountain. It's the last track on side B, and really it speaks emotional volumes while at the same time being a very slow and brooding number that sonically um, fills its space. Mine's Tamagotchi. Yeah. What's the full um, title of that one? The, the full name is I Had Sex with the Tamagotchi, but... Your most notorious song? It's... I- I would say it's the one that grabs people's attention, for sure. I had sex with a Tamagotchi. She let me borrow her Hitachi, but it was way too strong. Uh, so it's a duet, and Josh talks about this actual action, and it gives that funny, like, comfortability, while I am, on the other hand, calling out the objectification of schoolgirls. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we like to, you know, we like to balance it out with, like, Anime, stream of consciousness, thought, uh, emotional distress, uh, and political natures. Yeah, it, it's a very nice because it balances um, physical objectification versus um, emotional and cultural objectification. Mm-hmm. This looks like electronic music, but it is not. Yes. Right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's vocals and loops um, and, and sometimes uh, electronic drums, but... And some field recordings. Yeah, Ooh. but I don't know. Something about the cover and the packaging says, like, 90s dance. And, it, and maybe it's the cassette that gives me that impression. But I feel what you're really doing in the shift from, from that. When it, Like, when I realized that that's not what it was when I listened to it, I was like, the, the contrast of that was what threw you into... The contrast is really what we've been going for, actually. Right. Yes. Yeah, it shows a playing with expectation thing that I like. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, absolutely. Um, it's a big thing that we try to do. <laughs> we just want to be cute babes for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think it worked. You, uh, the, the, the beach balls were a, a novelty touch. It's, it's a sense of novelty, but it's also kind of uh, uh, a little upsetting. A little, uh, it is distraught. I think distraught is the best word. Distraughtening, as I heard recently. 
I can't recall uh, what it was in. That sounds distraught. Oh, it was Frank Zappa's Lumpy Gravy. Mm-hmm. At one point in it, he Good says, record. oh, that's distraughtening. <laughs> so yeah. I know you were helping us with our sound during our set, but I didn't know if you got to catch any of the uh, visuals we did either. I was kind of paying attention to it because there was there was an anime playing at one point, and then I think you got it switched over to food. And psychedelic flowers. And I don't know. I'll, ju- I'll just send you some of the videos. This can get cut out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what were you playing? Um, I don't know. Each I can be one, wrong. Uh there's um, there's a scene of me burning negative objects with uh, somebody who I can't exactly name. He's in the local scene. Um, yeah, you know, everyone's got to have their gossip, right? But um, anyway, it's just a visual of burning negative objects in the middle of the street. And then it, like, zooms out on the fire. And there's, like, a picture. And it's, like, the last thing to go. And then, like, dancing kind of, like, flowers with, like... In inserts of flowers are people too. So really nice. You touch, showed me by the way, but not at the. I didn't see it at the show. Yeah, yeah. I guess I we can cut that out. It was just like something I need to bring up with you. No, that's fine. For like an art port part of this, or whatever. If you wanted that, very much a this visual is, aspect. You can send me the videos, and we'll have it. Um, we'll have it on the on the page. Okay. For the whatnot and the and the who's he, what's it, the episode and the etc. Yeah, very much a visual aspect to Machi. Yeah, and it comes off that way, and it, it's. Uh, I don't know. The Tamagotchi thing is very visual. Um, the the lyrics are are visual without being dis, uh, too descriptive. Like I don't some I don't I don't like the the speak see, like this is the thing that happened and then one day this happened. Oh no, this is how I felt. And, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't really like that. So as, ambiguity is nice. Th- yes. Yeah, but then you can get too far into the ambiguity, and I'm like, what do you? What do you do? I don't relate. But if you if you can imply and infer things with the word choice and the lyrics, then I like I like that kind of thing, and this does this well. Anyhow, can I ask you a question, Jackie? Yeah, yeah, sure. What song do you like the most of us so far? I like Breakfast, and I know that's not on the record. Yeah, I like I like Ego Dies on the Mountain, but I like Breakfast more after tonight. I'm going to cut out that long pause so it sounds like I know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) 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 I've only listened to it three or four times on Bandcamp, but I wish I had. It sounds pretty sick through a tape recorder, actually. Yeah, well, that's actually actually why I set up that uh, stereo behind me to listen to it on the cassette player. Yeah. So I can be wrong. No, we just we just cruise on along and, and talk about talk about things. What are your what are your goals? We have yeah. a short EP coming up this summer. Yeah, we're gonna be doing a <clears throat> mini EP. Um, Does that include the two tracks from tonight? The two tracks from tonight, uh, the vote is in and stale bubblegum. Okay. Yeah, and it's gonna be a mini EP because we feel like uh, since we're in a part where we're just bringing Isaac in for this material. We don't want to go too far with it because I think, you know, we all are in agreement that there's about to be like a transition and growth within the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we really a, want to document that. Yeah. Um, document that growth and transition um, in a way that um, is also, also at the same time comfortable for our listeners. And that way it's not too mad, like too dramatic, you know, if, you know, we get to 
you know, a stronger or different approach with what we're making. So, uh, and potentially going to be called a little something wrong with cute. Yes, I like that. Uh, yeah, the Dizzy's looking at doing the same thing. Like, we're, we're approaching the same problem. It's going to be interesting how we, we both encounter that um, and work through it. What are your what are your insights you, that you've had from this one and from like the public response that are guide might guide you through the next thing? Um, really, I feel like with our next release, really, um, we're going to be guided by kind of looking at our first release and saying, "Hey, this worked. This didn't. What do we want to hear out of our next one? What do we want to feel? How do we want to really tackle that?" Right. I guess that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> so more more in depth. Yeah. Um, if you if you know, if you don't know yet, that's um, that's fine too. Because we don't really, I don't think we're really going to know until we write the songs. Yeah. Well, we have a decent amount of songs. I think about three out of the four songs are musically and lyrically written to a point where we're comfortable. And we just kind of need to get play them live a few times, get kind of a feel for them, and then record. I'm trying to um, make this whole band real uncomfortable. Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> You're a, a very sick child. I've, I've been that in a band before. Um, it helps. <laughs> it helps them in the long. It helps everybody in the long run, but it doesn't help in the short run at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, my one of my personal goals is that um, when we first started doing this, we were just using a field recorder to like record sessions, and then I kind of just like took a liking to it and started like getting interested in associated music. And I've been trying to grow with my music experience to where I can get to a point where I'm taking my field recordings and not just bringing in these like strange, like stream of consciousness moments that I happen to capture with myself sometimes that are like abstract itself, but like also adjusting like the EQ levels and where the notes lie and creating more ambience to develop our dynamic within our project. Um, we recently did invest in a uh, sampler, um, a trigger-based sampler. So we're going to be using that a lot on the next record as well. Yeah, yeah, especially something that that you can use a sample and then and then cue it in time, so that it it you can control like the time and um, and duration. So you could pick it up halfway through, or or I haven't actually worked with those things, but I've read a little a little bit about that. I think Soul Coughing did the same thing. We've talked about this before on the show. Um, yeah, so field rec- do you, do you want to do more people or do you want to do like do you want to go find situations or do you want to record yourself? Uh I have recorded myself. I have recorded like crushing a bowl of tortilla chips. Um you know, uh I just kind of have gotten a little like instinctual with it. Like I just go with like this animalistic this is a sound I want to capture. Uh and I'll go through phases where, like, I'll carry it around with me all the time or I'll take, like, a, you know, break from it. And that way I'm still kind of remaining natural with it, not just getting obsessive with collective sounds. Yeah, or get used to having it on you and then forget about it. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, what is it that you use? Uh, it's going to be a Tascam. Yeah, it's a Tascam oh, DRO5 unit. DRO5. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does that, uh, does that have a built-in, built-in mic or do you yes. plug into that? Yes, it has a built-in mic. Uh, it's binaural. Um, it's a very solid unit, lasts about four hours on, on two double A's, um, but I've never had any problems that I have, and I can definitely recommend it yeah. as a, a basic level field recorder. It kind of started when I was uh, last minute going out to Utah last May to like go visit my grandfather, uh, 
his health was declining. And I was having to fly out there, and I just wanted to record the white noise on the airplane. And there's a place called Fish Lake National Park. It's a really strange forest if anybody feels like diving into, you know, what Fish Lake National Park is. But it's May. It's on top of a mountain. It's in Utah, and it was still snowed in. I, you know, drive up there, and there's nobody else on top of the mountain. My phone is dead, and all I have with me is the field recorder. And that's where the samples uh, for Ego Dies in the Mountain comes from, is from that experience of being completely isolated, you know, technologically and, you know, population-wise. And it kind of just started spiraling from there, my interest in it. Yeah. Yeah, that... Holly Herndon, Hot Sugar, you know, people like that. Yeah, I like the depth of that. That's one of the things I liked about that track was... It's it's a deep sound, but like I don't know. When you think isolation, it's like spaces, like big open, but it's also there's a depth in space. I don't know. I'm riffing. <laughs> so Shannon, who would you say a lot of your influences would be musically? Um, I I'm I'm a sucker for Fru Fru, which was an Image and Heap side project. Um. I like Courtney Barnett. I love what she does with the lyrics. Um, eBay is beautiful, like Afro-Cuban French jazz. Um, I like what Hot Sugar does. He does a lot, though. Um, uh, Snail's House is cool. Uh, a personal current favorite is In Love with a Ghost. In Love with a Ghost. It sounds really familiar, but I can't place it. Um Maybe I'm conflating um, Little Ghost by The White Stripes and Fell in Love with a Dead Boy by uh, Amanda, uh, the Dresden Dolls. Yeah, sorry, I don't know them, but I'll look into all those people. You can catch the references, references, references. Um, do you know Lydia Lunch? Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. Eight-Eyed Spy? Yeah. That I get, I was, that's what I was trying to do with the echo on this, on this <laughs> thing, was give you a little bit of, like, back of the hall, like yelling thing um so i started off as like a parking lot poet as i like to say because there was more than one time that i ended up in somebody's living room doing poetry because somebody knew that i did that or in a parking lot who knows i got called out on it mm-hmm. but isaac and josh have like a past in like the like music scene i just used to go to shows and like you know be like total dork in the scene kind of grown up a little hopefully um but yeah. Do you guys want I've, to talk about that? I've personally played for two bands before. I've been the bassist in both of them. Uh, Race of Colors was my beginning project. Um, oh, sorry. It was. You're good. Relatively simple pop punk for what it was, but uh, you know we were in high school. And uh, the next band I played after that was uh, a band called Safety Net, and that was with my old guitarist Robert Danford from my last band, Raising Colors. Uh, we played, in total, I'd say about four or five shows together, uh, but things just didn't work out in that aspect because our drummer couldn't keep up with us, so we decided it'd be best if we just stopped playing as a safety nut. Was that hard? It was really kind of hard because like, I really liked the music we were producing and pumping out, Like, if only we could have refined it at all. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, and I, I'm not, 
I'm not just boosting the dizzy, but I'm I'm starting to relate more with bands because I'm I'm in a working band mm-hmm. now. So, I mean, we've had a, a personnel turnover yeah. <laughs> recently, um, and it, it, it's working out. But I'm it's given me more like cockmoness with like other other bands because when people say like, oh, we got a new bass player, like we you know we we have we thought about it, we had we got a new a drummer, blah blah blah, or whatever. People don't really plug into the emotional side of that. It's like, oh, that's that's hard, and that's like that. It's emotionally trying, and it's almost like it's, breaking up. With it's someone. really hard to come into it with someone different. Actually, like uh, for example, when I was still in Raising Colors, we started off with our drummer Jeremy, but in the end, uh, we had some falling outs with him. So we decided to find a new drummer. I just so happened to had somebody I went to school with at the time who was pretty decent at drumming yeah did, did you hear him play and then have him join or did you uh he, he played he played him? the quads uh for the band and immediately i related to him that he could play for us if he was so interested because you know yeah. who doesn't want to play in a pop punk band <laughs> when they're in high school <laughs> yeah did you play in the band hmm. did you play in the band uh actually i was more of an actor okay so were you in theater or were you just an actor person I was like, in, in, I mean I was in the theater. I was also okay. in choir too. Yeah. Yeah, I I learned saxophone in in the high school band. So that's how I can read music, but I didn't learn any of the theory stuff out of it. Yeah. So I try to pretend that high school is not that important. It, I, I actually did learn something. I just realized that now. <laughs> I was like I, I I said that the other day. I I didn't learn a single thing. Maybe proportions. I still use proportions. <laughs> Uh, I can read a graph. That's that's kind of useful. But then besides that, I don't know. But but then, yeah, mm. I did learn the saxophone. That's important. Uh, I yeah. used to play with. Um, I took a leave just because I was just have gotten so busy with um, jobs and other musical aspects. I used to play with a um, pinball wizard over here. Uh, yeah, I work as a pinball repairman um, for most of the Alabama area. Um, I used to play with a band that was called Crimson Mask. I originally started out as their recording engineer and roadie and eventually um, went into using signal analog, signal analog signal generators and other noise devices to accentuate their sound. Uh, their local uh, doom, kind of thrash kind of thing. Um, headed by a good friend of mine, Alan Eaton. Um, they're awesome. Um, but yeah, I've, I've played with other groups and um, really coming into Machi was really something that was different and something that I felt like I had a decent amount of creative input to, mm-hmm. and I I really appreciated that, and it's something that I feel like I can I can pour myself into. Yeah, um, I'll, I mean, musically wise, I find myself I'm really influenced by um, Steve Albini and um, people like Trent Reznor, um, who really sonically um, were able to transform sounds they heard into a, a sound that a listener could hear. Yeah. Um, did you Did you know Soul Coughing? Uh, not personally. No, yeah, but I mean, like the, the band, like the <laughs> the uh, the nineties, like they weren't industrial, but they were like, um, like nineties jazz kind of. Yeah, I've, I've heard of them. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't know them personally either. <laughs> um, I would I would like to. Mike Dowdy would, would be an interesting guy to not get high with because he's sober now. Right. And, yeah. But he did. Ha- yeah, he published a bio called The Book of Drugs. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, yeah. buy the book of drugs by Mike Dowdy and support his music habit instead of the other ones that he is not doing anymore. <laughs> and and really, um, Steve Albany's use of a drum machine was kind of what influenced me to say, "Hey, let's let's use a drum machine on our records." Yeah. Um, it also logistically makes, in my opinion, things a lot easier. 
You ever tried designing um, drum beats for Echo, like to work with Echo? I have, and I just find using hardware solutions for me are a lot more reliable on the actual, hey, we've got a show. I need a hardware solution that I can just plug in, hit and play, and not worry about it messing up. Yeah. But uh, yeah. going into like using a drum machine, it's like, you know, it seems kind of kitschy in a lot of ways to people at first when they first see us using that instead of having a drummer. And I don't need to like defend it. Uh, yeah. But it is going to progress. Hopefully, like one of the later projects is to make our own drum sample packs and use our sampler to bring in those kind of dynamics to what we are currently doing drum yeah. machines are people too <laughs> yeah with one of the like Alyssa's like we we named our drum machine her name is Alyssa she's an Alesis um SR16 but well, we we consider yeah. her an agent or like member of the band like she's our little BMO you know yeah well that's what that's what they might be giants did in the early days was like the first 10 years in ween too of their career they had drum machines and they might be giant said it's so that we don't like blow a drummer's head off with our you know yeah. with the rhythms that we want to do and the speed and such but which was proper um and a lot of people had a problem with them getting a band eventually but you you progress away from that but there are things that you can use specifically uh use, use a drum machine for specifically and the more you exploit that the more interesting i think it can get i, I love the mixed percussion aspect of of the machines, um, there are a lot of things. I've I've got the same. What is uh, what is it? An XR sixteen. Uh, yeah, SR16, Yeah, yeah. I've got one of those. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can do, as far as like varying the the volume of different hits, um, mm-hmm. and like like you know giving it more dynamic and adding different different swinging that has a swing option thing, so you can offset beats and stuff. So there's a lot that you can do with them. Uh, but it's not my the shortcoming I ran into, and I think they ran into as well was it's not responsive like a drummer is. Absolutely. But they're you know they are people too because they're recordings, <laughs> especially with that. I know, in particular, that Elisis has really nice like uh, actual recordings of studio drums. It's not a, not a, a digitally created or or processed drum. <coughs> yes. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you cough? Bad. I mean, we, we barely scratch the surface on what we can do with that drum machine. I mean, yeah. we don't use really any of the MIDI in, and we, we sometimes, uh, we rarely use a lot of the custom functions, but it really is a powerful device, especially for being released in 91. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm so happy because we, we're just a bunch of, like, curious kids. You know, we have a little bit of experience in things, but, like, that's kind of why we're so, like, authentically ambitious is because we have so much more to like figure out and try out and i think we've done pretty all right for what skill levels that we've been at you know i feel like there's a lot of room to break into with our music i mean yeah that's kind of why i wanted to have you on the show is because you you put out a thing and you brought it and you're booking and doing shows and you're doing more things I mean that's really oh, that sounds really. That's, I mean that's really why we started um, Machi, <laughs> so Shannon and I could um, really improve our skills and learn, you know, the things that we wanted to do. And honestly, when we started playing, we didn't really want it to work. We just kind of like let's we were try. mad. We we're just like, we were mad at each other. We were just like fuck it, man. We're and like, it, all right, I guess we got to do this. Like, yeah. we 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 decided we were gonna try jamming for the first time, and we'd known each other for like 
two years at this point in yeah. our friendship. We, you know, just made cosplays together of all things. Then I joined the band. I made them tighten their belt buckles because we're going on a run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I and I wanted to catch it now so that a year or eight months or whatever from now, when y'all have done other things and yeah. have have more stories to tell, you can come back and we can get the chapter after the the pre uh, the prologue. Absolutely. We're uh, we're hoping to be starting. Um, like filming uh, next month for a short music video for Sukhothai City. Yeah. Um, like Maddie Jackson is somebody we want to have in it. We want like Benji to be one of the eye creative eyes for this project. But I mean, you know, stay tuned. We we've got things coming. It's gonna be just fun and weird. And yeah. Yeah, you'll see that. Um, you'll hear that about that when that happens on either the opening monologue of a show or the dates part. When I let you know when that's coming out, so you can literally stay tuned here and you'll hear about it. There's a 40 being drunk in the room. Where did, wait, where did y'all buy that? I bought it when I was in Atlanta for work. Um, as a pinball machine Important. repairman, this is pretty incriminating right here. Yeah. Whenever I go to Atlanta, <laughs> I usually try to pick up a couple 40s as we usually don't have very good access to them in Alabama. Word. Yeah. Colt 45, everybody. Call Juicy J and you might get to go to his family reunion. Fight the power. I mean, I'd do it. Honestly, Old English is my favorite malt liquor. Uh, I don't know what Juicy J's family would have to do with me. I don't know what they would say to me. Is it your favorite malt like, liquor? Favorite malt liquor. But I, I think my favorite malt liquor definitely has to be Hurricane. Hurricane. What about you, Shannon? Do you have a favorite brand of malt liquor? Nah, but I'm Cicerone certified, so I do know my beers. Yeah. Ah. I like Thunderbird myself, but that's not malt. <laughs> uh, What's the word? I'm not trying to show off. I just didn't know what to say. <laughs> well, uh, that's about half an hour. Uh, you guys want to? Uh, to uh, call it a call it a uh, an appearance, um, and uh, or do you want to talk more? Um, where can... where's uh where's our old piece? Today we're going to be reading a little bit of the critical acclaim for the Oblivion EP. Um, we have really nifty from Ultron Isbell, Moody Resident. Um, <laughs> infinitely better than a shitload of LA Riot girl rival bands. So applauds. Uh, it's Jake Ingalls of the Yukon Territorial Expansion. They're a pretty good band. Um, this has a nice 90s college rock vibe. Love the guitars. That's from Connor Jansen of Super Magnet. Um, I'm not going to read all of this, but um, this person uh, who is Kyle Cronister of Tears of Cronus, uh, he says that these lyrics are on drugs, not psychedelics, but amphetamines that make you freak the fuck out. <laughs> I like the dual vocal thing a whole lot. The production is definitely very 90s. There's something I dig. Um, and Tyler Cruz of Hellmask says, uh, really love your guys' EP. Vocals are dreamy, hit the spot. The instrumentation is really good. The drumming for I Had Sex with a Tamagotchi is awesome. Oblivion's guitar is straight up comfy, yo. This don't have to be in there. That's great. I'll put some a little jingle behind it. Yeah. And that jingle should be fading out about now. Yeah. And then, yeah. So this has been Machi, everybody. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in this week. So from the table inside of the place where we record, inside of the larger uh, building, which is in, within the Earth Hotel, uh, we bid you good night. Thanks, guys, for thank, thank you, you for, for having us, yeah. Jackie.
This is some Earth Hotel original content. It's my writing that I cut up against myself. It's an interview that I did with myself, and I wrote it down, and it's all uh, uh, pithy and whatnot, and then I cut it up against a short poem I wrote. I did it with Shannon Machi. We perform it. Here it is. Jackie gets cut up. And you assumed I'm here in Defer Cotillard? Were you Jackie then? Or Jack? The Doc? We're looking to... The two are the same, so all you unusual dimensions are different. But the general pan glitter on your backstory, and the details of where you come permanently there... (laughs) It's the best kept. So many reapply sinners. What business is you improbable? My business. Why? Who wait away? That is fair, usually. It's fair? (laughs) Are you, honey? Is that a real micro you grew? You sell your microphone or a Sears microphone. Damn, Jackie. Do have old newspaper record. Oh, we'll cut it. And discarded paper. I know. But how are you vulnerables here? You've killed the mood! In ideas, in fans, absolutely kill which turn real, not really from Florida. Jackie? Oh, for a little infinite out. You head turners. Okay, this is Jack of No Standards. And Doris Day. Our flagpole vet. So Doris, do you like, because you're doctor of the operation? It's like a grate across your deli lifted off my shoulder. About a pound to stave off the papers. Mostly hair and H. Strange times in the fourth dimension. We met during a meteor shower at a party on cloud nine, and we were high, high, high out of our minds, drinking the elixir of life from vampire bartenders, the bumblebee of time whose sting is reality and idealism is a crime. We were trying to plant trees with seeds inside raindrops like redwoods and populous tremuloides. I think your father was a giraffe made out of sticks from the Swahili language by the carpenter that is your mother who you look like. I wonder what you would carve from the wood of your harvest. A wife like the blue fairy. But you only saw in colors of green, with absinthe stuck in your teeth. You wear wind chimes and windmills like earrings and hummingbirds nesting in your ears. Your blood is honeysuckle. You caught me a shooting star, calling me eyelashes and pretty dresses. I like it best when the stars fall. Sizzle, sizzle, pop like the beginning of time, and water fighting for its life. I asked you, have you ever cut down a tree? Pause button lingers on your lips. What does that feel like? I ask. You'll reply, hot, like the burn on your chest from the sword you made for the king of aliens. He was just an ex-boyfriend, I reply. You continue your work, eyeing as ghosts linger like house guests on my shoulder pads, pretending to be my consciousness. I put my morals in the recycling bin last week and threw my soul into a wishing well. 
You said you were going deep-sea memory diving. Amnesia, past time, last time. Previous life girlfriend you had, who cheated on you with reincarnation. You say that's why the dinosaurs are extinct. I ask you if you need a ride home in my time machine. It's made out of cardboard and childhood memories. And that, all you folks, is what I refer to as the machi suite of stuff that I did on the podcast. That's an official title. I'm going to move on to kind of the second half of the show. So if you're here for the normal programming kind of stuff, uh, this might be uh, where you sign off. Uh, this is an analysis of a rather serious kind of song about a serious topic, uh, Invalid Litter Department by the band at the drive-in. I've done a bit of research on this, and I'm going to speak for a while um, on the background of the song, the way it's constructed, the effect of it. And I, I've spoken to a friend that is also, well, he's a longtime fan. This is the first song of theirs that I've heard, and it was recommended to me by Kyle Weems, my friend. So he, um, he and Joe Massey, the bassist for the Dizzy, have both given me something to work with here. The song is about the phenomenon of femicide uh, in Juarez, in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Um, and that means some kind of associated systematic killing of women that live in a specific area. In this case, maquiladora workers. These are twin plants. Um, they are counterpart facilities in Mexico to American facilities, which are cheaper and you know, employ cheaper labor um, often putting their workers in conditions. And in this case, these conditions are um, deadly. You know, women, while busing from the shanty towns that they live in outside of, you know, the, the Maquiladora facilities, the factory facilities, as they bus into the facilities and back late at night, a lot of them disappear. And many are found, according to Amnesty International, over seven, 570 women have been found in that wasteland area between the worker housing, if you can call it worker housing, and the factory system uh, complexes. According to the music video for the track, the Invalid Litter Department video, which I encourage to watch in addition to listening to the song, more than 300 of these factories operate in Juarez as part of an American process of cutting overhead to increase profit. State police are widely accused of being ineffective for a myriad of reasons that I'll go into, and as a result of that inaction, none of the cases have been solved. And this, among many other pieces of media and essays and articles, uh, the song is a criticism of the Federales in this case. I'll read some from the Amnesty International uh, article and I'll have the source down in uh, all the sources that I use. I've, I used Wikipedia, but I've, uh, I've picked uh, a little bit of information to share with you, so I'll read that now. As of February 27, 2005, the number of murdered women in Ciudad Juarez since 1993 is estimated to be more than 370. After surveying 155 killings out of 340, documented between 1993 and 2003, a government committee found that roughly half were prompted by motives like robbery and gang wars, while a little more than a third involved sexual assault. 
The uncertainty about the characteristics of the perpetrators, their relationships to the victims, or their motives is primarily due to the dysfunction of the Mexican justice system, as most cases have been inadequately investigated and documented. While in many of the cases in Ciudad Juarez it has yet to been determined, yet to be determined, who exactly has committed the murders, much of the literature on this issue purports that patriarchal backlash against working women may be a potential motive for the killings. It is believed that the femicide in Ciudad Juarez may be related to organized crime like prostitution rings, given the presence of the powerful drug cartels in the region. Further, criminal gangs have become a permanent threat, particularly to women on the border. Gang activity creates high risk for women, especially due to very little institutional protection. This patriarchal backlash may indeed be the result of lack of employment opportunities for men and more women entering the workforce, which has altered traditional gender dynamics and created a situation of conflict between the sexes. Other researchers attribute the murders to Mexico's structural crisis, including increasing poverty, unemployment, and the disintegration of the peasant economy, migration, and a dysfunctional justice system. Overall, in considering the potential motives for gendered violence against women, academic Mercedes Oliveira has argued that femicide is a mechanism of domination, control, oppression, and power over women. There are various media reports with different numbers ranging from hundreds, of, hundreds to thousands of female homicides in the Ciudad Juarez region. For this reason, Amnesty International reports, quote, inadequate official data on the crimes committed in Chihuahua, particularly accurate figures on the exact number of murders and abductions of girls and women, has led to disputes around the issues that obscure the quest for justice. Evidence suggests that a specific group of women and girls are being targeted in Ciudad Juarez. The victims share common characteristics, and there are many similarities in the violent crimes committed against them. Most of the victims are young women who come from impoverished backgrounds and work in the Miquiladoras as factory workers and other sectors of the informal economy, or students. In addition, many victims share common physical attributes, including dark skin, slender physique, and dark shoulder-length hair. In terms of the crimes, similarities across cases include the rape, torture, mutilation, and murder of the victims. It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing problem. I don't have many recent numbers about this. I just wanted to give some background to the phenomenon and how it is. it remains unsolved, but the data is either not being collected or not in a place that I found that is updated. Some of these links to the sources are no longer in service. Not to say that there's not any information coming out, it's just that most of this covers up to 2007. So many of these numbers are probably sadly underestimated. So I'll talk about the song from here. If you haven't listened to it um, before or in preparation for hearing this, I would take a minute, maybe take 15 and listen to it a couple of times. Watch the video. I just look it up on YouTube. Um, and try to take it in. Maybe look up the lyrics. I'll read the lyrics here since I have some time on the show. Intravenously polite, it was the walkie-talkies that had knocked the pins down, as their shoes gripped the dirt floor in the silhouette of dying, dancing on corpses' ashes. Yeah, they had plans for him. They had spun the last of the pimps, corduroy satin-nailed jewelry lips, while the guillotine just laughed again, dancing on the corpses' ashes. Paramedics fell into the wound, like a rehired scab at a barehanded plant, an aesthetic penance beneath the hail of contraband. 
they had been defected and excommunicated, and all the pulses were subverted, and they made sure the obituaries showed pictures of smokestacks. A vivid dissection that mocked the strata vivisection, semi-automatic colonies, and a silencing that still walks the streets. In the company of wolves was a stretcher made of cobblestone curfews. The federales performed their custodial customs quite well. Callous heels numbed in travel, endless maps made by their scalpels. On my way, nails broke and fell into the wishing well. So, I'll walk through the lyrics first and then describe how the sound and form serves them, because that's what is really at the heart of the thing, is understanding the context and then the process. It kind of strikes me as, to, you know, to use words like impressionistic or, you know, it's like the wasteland, but that's an easy comparison to draw. Um... The imagery is interlocked. It's more inferred than other things. Like, in the company of wolves was a stretcher made of cobblestone curfews. There's no like, there's no, you know, uh, clear simile, you know. You have to, it's not obtuse. It's not obtuse words. Everything links back to the point that they're trying to make about the issue and about the event and the phenomenon. And that's kind of why... And uh, Joe, the bassist for the Dizzy, told me that this was his favorite song that, that he'd ever heard from them. And that's why I really wanted to talk about it. Kyle suggested it to me, and I, I agreed because I thought it was an impressive bit of writing. It's very economical, and much like what I like about Scott Walker's writing lyrically is the imagery is not obvious. You know, paramedics are an aesthetic penance. Not an aesthetic penance. Paramedics are an, an antiseptic. Anesthetic. <laughs> Antise Jesus. Paramedics are an anesthetic penance. They're not, you know, something that moves and walks and performs like a paramedic. There's the effect. There's, there's a relationship between the words and the, and the metaphors and the imagery going on. They're not metaphors to serve themselves. They're metaphors to increase the scope of what is being talked about. So you have the dancing on the corpse's ashes um, repeated. I'll get back to that. Intravenously polite, it was the walkie-talkies that had knocked the pins down. Now, most of the song is a criticism of the federales. So I'll go through what I think are descriptions or, or, or associations with them. Intravenously polite it was the walkie-talkies that had knocked the pins down as their shoes gripped the dirt floor. They had plans for him. 
they have spun the last of the pimps. They made sure the obituary showed pictures of smokestacks. They are the wolves. They are the company of wolves where the stretcher is. Or they are the wolves in which the stretcher is the company. Or, you know what I mean. They perform their custodial customs quite well. You come, you clean up the bodies. But what do you do? Do you care? Or do you clean? Callous heels, numbed in travel. You can drive back and forth from the desert, keep cleaning these poor women out of the ground and bury them properly, but you don't stop it. You might be corrupt. You might be incompetent. You might be dysfunctional, but you are definitely condemnable. The imagery speaks to not just how sad it is or how dark it is for the sake of it. It focuses on the effect on people, not in an abstract way or an obtuse way, in, in a real way that, that, that it hits you. And that's what poetry is kind of supposed to do. It's supposed to make you not just think, oh, that's sad. You know, if you tell me, if you sing a sad song to me and it's just, it sounds sad and it's sad and it's about sad stuff, then it, that doesn't invite me into your place. It just tells me what your place is. I'll get back to that as well. It's mocking dancing on the corpse's ashes. Of course you folks do. Your shoes grip the floor. You dance on the, on the remnants of the lives that, that you ignore. The guillotine laughs again. They subvert. They, they, they change the news. They control the information. A vivid dissection that mocked the strut of vivisection. You can do your autopsy, but it only throws into sharp relief how, I hate to use the word jackboot, but how your shoes, how your investigative shoes swing through in that step, the strut of vivisection, as not only people, it's not about a murder or two, it's about hundreds of ongoing a phenomenon, a wave of murders, a, a, a force that's happening to people in this town and in this company of the people who do it that might be local or, or passing through consistently as some kind of horrific, you know, a, a caravan. In this company of wolves on either side, the law and the lawless was a stretcher made of cobblestone. Now the women are killed at night, usually, walking from the bus, somewhere between leaving their work at night after dark, getting on the buses and being taken to their shanty towns, to their homes. 
the imagery plays with larger federal, you know, systematic forces. They had been defected and excommunicated, and the pulses were subverted, and they made sure the obituaries showed pictures of smokestacks. That's institutional language. But then it has the sleazier, you know, kind of gaudy descriptors. Yeah, they had plans for him. They have spun the last of the pimps. Corduroy satin nailed jewelry lips while the guillotine just laughed again. And then later, the repeated chorus, on my way, nails broke and fell into the wishing well. I'm not sure what to make of that last bit. I mean, it, it jumps around perspective a lot. They means different different things and you know and and eventually it it's it's tragic because the final chorus or the final there are two kind of refrains and one is the dancing on the corpse's ashes repetitive kind of call and response thing but then at the end there's the on my way nails broken fell into the wishing well i don't know if the day of the dead language or inferences you know dancing on the corpse's ashes the wishing well the well wishing the thinking of the dead and the reverence for the dead in a different way than we understand it and certainly practice it. That's next to dissection and vivisection and, you know, paramedics. Next to industrial language, you know, rehired scab at a barehanded plant, the hail of contraband, the, the, the drug war, and also what should be considered absolutely illegal contraband because it's un completely unethical for the U.S. companies that ship these, you know, ship their product, have their product. It's, it's immoral to have, you know, it, it's not that, you know, it's not that migrant workers are the only people that will pick the fruit. Americans will pick the fruit. We just will never pick the fruit for what we pay them to do it. We can pay them pennies on what we would accept. But if no one picked the fruit, then somebody's going to have to do it. So if there's only non-migrant workers, I don't know, I'm getting, I'm getting way off into this thing. We won't do, we've, we've set this bar of complacency and not sheeple, wake up, you know, kind of complacency, but we set a way of life for ourselves and then we take it and use it to measure other people intentionally or not and these companies take our bar our rule measure you know and subvert that that's why industry is in china or mexico that's why Nikes are not made in the United States. Because no American is going to make Nikes for 12 cents an hour. If that's the only option that we had, we would do it. But good luck trying to convince somebody to go to that. Build the fucking wall if you want a bunch of people to not... be satisfied with our lives anymore. It's a funny balance between complacency and how much we can be pushed. But the trick is, it's like, it's like the boa constrictor. It squeezes you, and then you exhale, and then it squeezes you a little more, and you try to inhale, but you can't get as much breath. And then you exhale, and it squeezes you a little tighter. 
you allow that line to move. And suddenly you have this cluster of people centered around the ideal of hope, the ideal of work that, that our society likes to hold up so high. They're playing the game. These women and the people that work in these factories are playing your game and you're cheating them. It's not like they're playing by, not playing by the rules. They just have the, the, the lowest handicap and you have the highest. Human jackals. So you have a phenomenon like this, where people without means to escape it are caught in between institutional power, the power that goes beyond law, the lawless, the power of social dynamic, the gender, you know, the resistance of men in a traditional, you know, way of life, ceding that way of life to women who are taking a non-traditional role in that context. On all sides. The custodial customs line, the Federales perform their custodial customs quite well, is what the title means. The whole song, you know, evinces these feelings on my way. It, end, it, it puts you, it ends with her perspective, with their perspective. On my way home, the nails broke and fell. I, I think it's obscure for a reason because there it, it I think it's it's a very wide open but not obtuse group of words. On my way home, on my way to a better life, on my way to stability, on my way out. Nails broke, the nails holding up my shanty house of 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 plywood and cardboard and corrugated metal. The nails in the coffins, the, the plain wood, hand-built, not caskets. My nails, like the corduroy satin nail jewelry lips. Everything breaks. These things, that make them women, that make them people, homes, death. Comes apart. The wishing well. <laughs> it's not often you go down for a wish. It's not often. It's usually look up at the star and wish, or pray up to, to whatever God is above you, ascended above us, you know. Or it's not often you, you look down into the abyss and say, I wish for this. It's a trick. It's an evil trick. So, I admire this piece of work in this video for the finesse and control, not just because it's respectful or, or has a, a, a compelling social point, but because 
it uses the conventions of the genre and what they what they are known for doing you know, the hardcore scene and the punk and all of these things the punk that the punk music all of these things are used so well to serve the point of the song the song itself yes but the point and effect and that's what we're trying to do here there have been other songs uh you know the misfits where do they go um the world is a beautiful place and i am no longer afraid to die um los tigros del norte tori amos have all written songs about this but this is the one that i you know i feel the strongest about because i feel like it's the most effective they're all beautiful and and intense in their own way but this is the most well crafted i i think i don't like comparing it i i, I hate best and worst and better and whatever but this is the one that of all these songs that i think delivers this point the most acutely so to break it down from an audio sonic kind of perspective um, there's stereo guitar, guitar on either side, kind of playing the same thing, but not really. So there's conflict and it's, it's not noisy, but it's, there's a lot, there's, uh, there's kind of mixed texture going on with the, within the guitars. Conflicting and coincidental is what you would call it. Um, the vocals are central, they're clean, they're right up front. There's not a lot of reverb or effect, re reverb or effect on it. There's a, uh, there's very little panache or like effect about the song. It's it's supposed to deliver something. The effect is not, you know, the singer sounds like he's in a you know in a mountainside, you know, screaming like a god. It sounds like a person that is exasperated. Um, this kind of pixie like, not really lead vocal, but the the dancing on the corpse's ashes are kind of sing along and and kind of you know it's a refrain it's a it's a call and response thing and these are harmonized and countered vocals and this the vocal interplay delivering the lyrics which are at the heart results in the screaming at the end um there i mean there's like there's there's kick bass in this that resembles one genre and there's you know the screaming which resembles another genre and it's all hardcore and the guitars are you know it all aligns with what their sound is, but it best characterizes their sound used for this thing. And it begins in this third-person descriptive kind of thing, like a pixie song, and it kind of immediately backs up to the line that, that is going to pull you into the theme of it. Um, you know, intravenously polite, it was the walkie-talkies that had knocked the pens down as their shoes gripped the dirt floor in the silhouette of dying. Okay, that's, that's third-person. There's not a character there. There's, you know, there's... There's them, you know, they're, they're talking about people, but it's not like, I'm here, you're there. And then it starts to get more and more. The whole thing kind of barrels and, and, and narrows and narrows down to where you get her perspective at the end, on my way. They had plans for him. You know, they had spun the last of the pimps. You start to get into the landscape of, of the people that are affected. Paramedics fell into the wound and aesthetic penance. And the hail beneath the hail of contraband, a vivid it, it it has a rolling, rat destructive kind of wasteland, on and on the desert, the desert kind of feeling to it. 
the only people mentioned are the federales by by like by pronoun they had been defected and excommunicated and all the pulses were subverted you can't run a government when you're not organized and you can't do investigations and you can't serve justice if you're not functioning so you subvert and you make sure the focus is on something else the whole thing is about the federales and the criticism this aggression of the genre that is that is known you know the people identify with the visceral kind of biting delivery of this with the sound that is is naturally aggressive and and often used to fight oppressive forces um, this when it's used in a nuanced form and and is used to give emotional shape to the music with kind of an unforgiving presentation the video is is unforgiving it's not a new form this isn't a new thing but it's it's not so widely propagated as it is today and the nature of the actual media is what allowed this further propagation to take place. Uh, the, the band appears in the video, but they're not playing instruments at all. They, they're only in there as these black death figures, watchers in this kind of near pastiche of metal or thrash, whatever videos fixated on death and doom. They're all standing there. They're in a group. They're black. They could have white makeup on and tilt their face down and look, you know, scary, but they're just somber they're there as the placeholders for mourners because there are in the form of the song they don't they don't mention the women only at the end on my way this very uh, obtuse un, almost unknown ununderstandable un you know obs this obscured kind of message my hopes are dashed things things are broken on my way broke fell they stand in for mourners because no one else not no one else, but to draw absolutes, no one else is mourning. So they stand in this cluster by the, the, the what I, you know, I'll, I'll get back to this, but this is a real informative, intentional kind of appearance. But it kind of looks on the outside like this normal thrash kind of, or, or whatever aggressive kind of music like that hardcore is fixated on. It uses that aesthetic with it, the screaming, all of the stuff, it, it uses the trappings of the genre to do the work of what the genre is in, 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 intended to do. You know, all of this, all of this stuff, it evokes the feeling that, that, that they are connected to it. You know, the, they, they appear in the video, but only next to this line of graves dug by, uh, dug by unseen weathered and and grieving mexican men that's not pastiche the appearance of the members of at the drive-in in this cluster is not irrelevant or irreverent and it's it's not staged it doesn't seem staged it gives the gives you the feeling that they traveled to the town and filmed the video with themselves and the crew like a documentary which i don't know the details of that but it's it's an active and intentional expression that is not about them. It's not even about the song. It's about you getting this and understanding and, and that criticism going out into the world. Because that's their job. No, they're not on the street protesting and they're not working, you know, lobbyists or whatever to get the Maquiladoras, you know, 
shut down, but this is their talent and this is what they do. And that's, that's how they serve it. This, this, this is a, a tradition of music that's beyond genre. That encompass, it's, it's old and, it, and it's beyond race and it's beyond performer and it's beyond all of this stuff. It's slave song and folk and jazz and protest music and black, you know, black music, black rock, you know, uh, uh, black disco, metal, punk, new wave, funk, Dadaist and experimental music and all of these other things. They all serve this function because people are need an artists need an outlet to try to change people's minds in some way. And we know to not do it by yelling in their face that they should change because no one wants to hear that. We do it by finding the most perfect, nuanced, vital, and scalpel-like way to wield this instrument to make you feel that thing and, and get inside you. So, so if, if you, you are confused about the purpose of music, if you are a person, and I say that to mean, if you are a person that's all about fighting some force of oppression, and you use music or some other creativity, I'm with you and I commend you. But there's a high bar. And myself and all of us should think about how to use that. Not just, not to say that we're doing it wrong, but to always optimize and to, and to try to be more wise about it and try to be more finessed and more controlled about how we express these things. Because, unfortunately, satire doesn't work. You know, protest doesn't really work. Unless it's used as not an end, but a means to some other objective. You know, but now more than ever, people listen to artists and people listen to people that make media. And if we go about it with, with, without intention or without focus or a plan or responsibility, then we don't have anything to use against them. Because just saying that you're an artist or that you're a performer or that you do whatever and, and having ideas that are vague or, or, or just feelings or whatever that are vaguely anti-establishment doesn't accomplish anything. We have to work together to try to change people's minds without knowing it or without them knowing it. To move people, and 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 not only move people, but not set them up to be to think what what we want to think, but set them up to make a knowledgeable inquiry. We have to make them want to question whatever it is we present to them, whatever whatever top topic or feeling or whatever you want it to be questioned. Our goal is to make them kind of open that box and then maybe have a lead, you know, a prompt, a map if they need it, you know, directions, a hand to hold if they need it to go in that box and dig around themselves and figure out what they think about it, how they feel. And then hopefully that 
kind of tips the pendulum a little bit inside them and and then suddenly we have people reflecting changing the way that they live so that they can reflect so that they can have intentional lives instead of haphazard ones motivated by passions that might not be informed or not informed but passions that might not be the most wise I wrote an outline for a lot of this analysis, but this non-analysis part where I'm just talking about art, that's a bonus. That's, that's, you came for the art analysis, but this is what you're sticking around for, right? I want to thank Kyle Weems for suggesting this song. I listened, I've listened to it a few dozen times, and I just keep, I keep finding things that teach me. And this teaches me too. So thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for uh, coming back. I see the numbers and I see data for the show and, and for the, all of the website. Lots of people are tuning into Born With Catheters, our partner program. You know, I, in the last two or three days, someone, a few, like two or three different people are going through and listening to all of the episodes. Naturally, I'm, you know, paranoid about this, but <laughs> there's interest, and I'm grateful for that. If you have content you want to send, if you have suggestions for things you want to hear me talk about, things you want played, things that you've done that you want either aired or described or whatever, if you want to be involved with this at all, email me at theearthhotel.com at gmail.com. Eventually, we're going to have an actual company account instead of Gmail, but bear with me. I know it's late. It's Friday night. Uh, I'm, I'm refining. I'm refining my life to serve this thing better so I can work harder. Because I know I'm not working as hard as I should, and that's mainly because I've worked very hard in all the wrong directions. So... Now I'm trying to figure out how to put all this energy to good use, the best use. That's all I have for this week. Um, I'll have uh, uh, Machi dates um, coming up. I think I'll just I'll go through what's off the top of my head. May 27th, the Dizzy, Giant Sunbeam and the Noise, and Sex Camel are playing at the, the Soft Rock Bungalow. Um, we've been... Uh, we've been doing things there lately. I have uh, the next podcast that comes out after this is with Pink Pyramids, and that was our second live podca uh, podcast at the Soft Rock. It's our second live podcast, first one at the Soft Rock, and first one that we got recorded in full that's usable. So, almost. So, the Soft Rock are our friends. Um, Shannon is involved with that. Um, she doesn't run it, but she is. Uh, she's a friend of, of that. Um, so email me or get in touch with me on Facebook or... Uh, uh, ask people that you know know the soft rock where it is and go see shows there. That'll be fun. Uh, the Dizzy, Giant Sunbeam in the Noise, and Sex Camel are all going to be there on the 27th of May, and that's like 9 o'clock. So come to that. It's $5, and it's going to be a cool, fun night. It's always cool here. There's not any kind of bullshit going on at the soft rock bungalow. It's really nice, and the priority is the good shows. So my many thanks to this episode. I'm going to let you get out of here, and I'm going to run 
away and over the hills in that way that only cartoon characters do, where there are a bunch of hills lined up kind of in, in a landscape going on and on back towards the horizon, and the character runs ding, 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 over the one hill, and he disappears for a minute, and over the hill a little bit in the distance, and then over the other hill a little bit further in the distance. That's how I'm going to run away from the ending of this podcast. My great thanks to everyone. Um, my great thanks to all the people that are listening. I already did all the thanks. Um, check Facebook for dates. I'm going to have dates on the next show, but uh, this is this is just beyond my time here. Uh, thank you, everyone. <laughs> this is the end of the show. I have one question for you. What are you doing to make yourself happy and be productive? Not one or the other. These things are not mutually exclusive. What are you doing to do that? Have a good week. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so it's all.